So today, actually, we're going to do something a little bit, a little kind of different. Um, we have a phrase here at the chapel, uh, SKD, something kind of different. And today, we're going to do something kind of different uh, for a sermon. Usually on a Palm Sunday, we read the Passion Narrative, which is a pretty extensive reading, where we go through all the events of, of Holy Week and, and what happened. Uh, but today, we're going to do something a little bit different. And um, uh, as you know, today is, is Palm Sunday, starts today, goes all the way through next Saturday, which is called Holy Saturday. And uh, a number of years ago, my wife, Regina, and I were in Israel uh, in the month of January. Uh, and uh, it, was, it was an amazing, amazing time. And uh, uh, one thing that was very different was that it snowed 14 inches on the morning we arrived in Jerusalem, which never happens. So uh, the reason I share that is we're going to look at some pictures today, and you're going to see some snow in Jerusalem, which is, which is very odd. Um, but what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to walk us through the events of Holy Week. And we're going to see some pictures of the sites of what took place during Holy Week. And uh, hopefully this will be educational for all of us. Some of us know the story well, others, others of us not so well. But my hope is in part that what it will cause us to do is each day during this week, it will cause us to really think about what Jesus was going through. And think about those events and what it has to say to us in our own lives, in our own journey. So, for example, if Jesus turned the tables over, what, what does that mean? What does it mean to have righteous indignation, just for example? So anyway, what I'd like to do is I'd, I'd like to go through uh, some pictures with you, uh, quite a few. And uh, you can just leave that up for a minute, Adam. Um, now, just some general things about Jerusalem. Jerusalem is thought to have existed 4,000 years before Jesus was born one of the world's oldest cities. And the city, as we know, is central to the stories of the Old and the New Testament. It was a place of hope and despair, of success and failure, of good things and bad things. And what's interesting is, in many ways, Jerusalem today is not far different than what it was back then in terms of it being a powder keg. It was a powder keg then. It has been for thousands of years, and it remains so today. Now, in biblical history, we know that King David eventually was able to attack and capture the city of Jerusalem. And it was from Jerusalem, then about a thousand years before Jesus was born, that David, despite his mistakes and human nature, that David was able to unite an entire country. Something that is quite extraordinary, especially if we think about these days. But he united an entire country. He united it in astonishing ways. Well, Eventually, David had a son named Solomon, and it became Solomon's job to build a great temple so that the Jews could celebrate God. And Solomon was able to accomplish that and built an amazing temple, which unfortunately was eventually destroyed by the Babylonians. Eventually, the temple was rebuilt, called the Second Temple, and it too was destroyed by the Roman Empire in the year 70. And since that day, there's been no temple there on that site. Now, um, we do know that Jerusalem today is home of the three great Abrahamic faith traditions, all faith traditions that descend from Abraham, Abraham that we hear of in the book of Genesis. And those traditions are Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And the, those three great religions consider Jerusalem to be a holy city. Now, when Jesus was around, the population was maybe 50,000, 60,000. Today, it's just shy of a million. 
Uh, and this is pretty interesting today, before we get into the events of Holy Week, that today, 64% of the city of Jerusalem is Jewish, 34% is Muslim, and 2% is Christian. Now, uh, here's a next slide, Adam. Here's a, here's a picture of um, Jerusalem during the days of Jesus, and you can, we're going to go into these details. You can see uh, some things. You can see the temple. Uh, here is Bethany. Here's Gethsemane, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to get into this. But what you, can't, what you cannot see on this diagram that we will see shortly is how extraordinarily hilly the city is. It is not an easy walk to get from one place to another. It's very hilly. Even within the, even within the city, there's an upper city, there's a lower city. And um, we're going to get to it, but that's just a diagram of what it looked like in Jesus' day. Now, just for fun, just for an aside, I thought I'd throw in a picture of two of some places uh, today um, that were where Jesus, a lot of important things happened. Next slide, Adam. That's uh, the town of Bethany in here. And then Jerusalem is up over there, and this is the Mount of Olives. And Bethany was a very important town in Jesus' life. Um, we know that um, uh, it was the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We know that a woman anointed Jesus' feet with oil there in Bethany. We also know that it is Bethany where Palm Sunday got kicked off. It is there that Jesus as we heard about in our reading today, asked two of his disciples to go and untie a donkey and bring it to him, and they did. And um, those were the events that kicked off the events of Good Friday from, I mean, of Palm Sunday from Bethany. Just another picture, too. Next picture. Uh, I thought this was kind of fun because it shows the pool of Bethsaida in snow. Um, now, if, had Jesus done his healing when there was snow, he would have had to prevent people from freezing to death, but that never happens uh, in Jerusalem. You can see that there are like porticos here, um, little separate sections, and people would gather and go into the water, which was thought to be healing water. In, the John, in John's Gospel, it says, there's a pool named Bethsaida. It has five porches, and in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred the water up. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity of 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had been in that condition a long time. And he said, do you want to be made well? And it was there in the frozen pool of Bethsaida <laughs> that Jesus healed him. Anyway, next slide, Adam. Now, the old city of Jerusalem and, in fact, um, the old temple walls itself are surrounded by massive, massive stones. If you think about this, these, these stones were, were three feet thick and, 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 and incredibly high. How do they move these things? How do they carve them? But they're huge. Each one of these sections just weighs tons. And... Um, um, this is a picture of Regina standing next to, the, next to the stones. Now, in the midst of Jerusalem, I'm going to show you a model. Next slide, Adam. It's something called Mount Moriah. It's a big mountain that's in the midst of the city of Jerusalem. And tradition holds, well, it's where the temple was, both the first and the second temple. But tradition holds that that's where Abraham nearly sacrificed Isaac. Uh, and uh, the temple obviously was central to so many stories of Jesus. 
Now today the temple is gone, right? It was destroyed in 70. Guess what there's now? Next slide, Adam. The Dome of the Rock. I have, an, I have a picture, not just a model picture, but the Dome of the Rock is one of the holiest sites in Islam. It's over the spot where it is thought that, that Muhammad actually ascended into heaven. So it's a very sacred place. Now, next slide, Adam. Before Jesus was born, Herod the Great ruled Israel. And he was put in charge by the Roman emperor. And Herod loved to build buildings, huge buildings. He had a massive ego. He liked killing people. He liked building things. And he liked his ego stroked. He was a cruel guy. But what he did is, the, the, the temple site you just saw was actually a mountain. Well, Herod had it scraped and flattened out, which is amazing. He literally scraped the top of the mountain, made it flat, built these huge walls, and uh, as, as shown in this picture, and where Regina was standing earlier is just this little light outline here. And that's all that you can really see now because some of it, so much of it's now underground. And next slide. So let's turn to Holy Week now and go through each day. Well, we know that on Palm Sunday, Jesus was in Bethany and that he asked his disciples for a donkey, rode on the donkey into Jerusalem, as was foretold a long time before it happened by the prophet Zechariah, who said to the Jews, rejoice, shout, celebrate, sing, your king's going to come to you on a donkey. And, and that prophetic statement was fulfilled on the day of Palm Sunday. Now, uh, next slide. Okay, now this is where it kind of gets interesting because this begins to show how hilly it is. This is known as what is the Mount of Olives. And there's a very deep, deep, deep valley. That's called the Kidron Valley. And at the base of the Mount of Olives is Gethsemane. And then there's the uh, Dome of the Rock where the temple used to be. So when Jesus rode a donkey, he would have been going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, and up over those hills. So it was, it was, it was a very, um, it was a very uh, long ride and a bumpy ride. And a lot of events happened on the Mount of Olives. We're going to talk about some uh, in just a second. Uh, next slide, Adam. That's what Jerusalem would have looked like to Jesus from the Mount of Olives in his day. And next picture. This is a picture of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem today. The Wailing Wall is over here, but you can see you, the, the, mount, the mountain's just kind of buried by buildings now, so you can't really see it. And next slide. That's the Wailing Wall. Next slide. So Monday was quite the day. Jesus had gone back to the Mount of Olives after riding into Jerusalem on Sunday, but he walked, walked back to the Mount of Olives. And then he walked back on Monday to the temple, and he gets to the temple, and what does he do? He starts throwing stuff around <laughs> and turning tables over. Now, Jerusalem at the time of Jesus was under Roman control, and Roman money was used for day-in, day-out living. Jewish religious authorities, however, would not accept Roman money. They would only accept Jewish money. At the, in those days, there was something called the temple tax. If you wanted to go to the temple, you had to pay a tax. And if you wanted to go to the temple, you had to pay a tax. And if you had Roman money, which is what you would have had, you had to go to a money changer who would exchange the Roman money for Jewish money. And they would charge you a massive fee. 
And needless to say, it made Jesus pretty ticked. And um, Jesus said, he screamed out loud, this is a house of prayer, but you're making it a robber's den. Uh, next slide. This is a model, but when Jesus came down the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, back up into Jerusalem, he would have entered into the temple in, these ga- in through those gates. Now think out, remember how big those stones were? That I showed you earlier, they're huge. So this gives you some scale of idea of how just massive it was. And next picture, just to show you the stones again. And next picture, that, that's what it looks like today. This is the Mount of Olives. You can't see the Kidron Valley because it's down deep. Jesus would have come up and gone through um, gates that aren't, were on that side. Well, Monday turned into Tuesday. Uh, next slide, Adam. We know that Adam, uh, we know, not Adam, we know that Jesus uh, cursed a fig tree. Uh, the fig tree was symbolic for Jesus. It represented Jerusalem. Uh, he evaded lots of questions. People tried to set traps for him by asking questions that people thought would get him into trouble. He challenged the religious leaders. He challenged the Pharisees. He taught some of his most amazing teachings. He tells his followers he's going to come back one day. He goes back into the temple and challenges people. And on that Tuesday, Jesus, people believe, went back and forth between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And uh, can you, next slide, please. Uh, so that's a view of what would have been the temple from the Mount of Olives. So that's a view Jesus would have seen, although he would have seen the temple and he wouldn't have seen cranes. <laughs> um, it was on the Mount of Olives where uh, there's the long, what's known as the Olivet Discourse. It's, it's in the Gospel of Matthew, Olivet, referring to, to Mount of Olives. It's the fifth and last big teaching, and it's where Jesus goes into detail about one day I'm going to come back again. You never, nobody knows when, not even I know, but God knows. Now, just as an aside, some other things on the Mount of Olives. Uh, this tradition holds this is the site of the Ascension, which was on the Mount of Olives. And then next slide. That's, this is also on the Mount of Olives. Uh, you can see the old arch, the dig. Um, some people think that's in that area on the Mount of Olives where Jesus taught people to say the Lord's Prayer. Next slide. So one thing the thing about this week is it's very hilly, it's very dirty, it's up and down, it's a lot of work, and the tension is slowly building. He he rides in on Sunday, Hosanna, Hosanna, people are excited to see him. And then the mood begins to slowly change. He goes into the temple and he throws stuff around, ticks everybody off. And then on Tuesday, he turns the volume up even more. He starts talking about the temple being destroyed and how his body and all kinds of things, and the things are getting intense. Wednesday, we don't know what happened. Most scholars think that it was the day that detailed plots were being made for how to arrest Jesus. Uh, next slide. Thursday rolls around. Um, and uh, Thursday was a busy day. It's the last day of the Last Supper. It's the day where Jesus washes his followers' feet. It's the day that he gets betrayed by Judas. It's the day he prays in Gethsemane. It's the day that he gets arrested. Now, the Last Supper... Uh, was a meal. It was messy. Um, And during the course of the meal, Jesus engaged in four actions. And we we mimic those actions every Sunday. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, it says, During the meal, Jesus took bread, he blessed bread, he broke bread, and then he gave it to his disciples. He took bread, he blessed bread, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. Those are the actions that we do every Sunday with communion. Then Jesus said, take, eat, this is my body. Then taking the cup, taking the cup, thank God. And Jesus said, drink this, all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant. It was also that evening that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples. And we refer to Thursday as Monday Thursday. The word Monday means commandment or mandate. And uh, on that Thursday night, Jesus said to his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment. I'm giving you a new mandate. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So Monday, Thursday, commandment, foot washing, ceremony, and remembering the commandment of love. And next several slides. This, these are a bunch of buildings that are on top of where the upper room was. Obviously, none of this was there then. Next slide. This is the space that people go to remember the Last Supper. Obviously, it was not in this room, but the building is thought to be on top of the general area of where it was. Next slide. Um, there's a mosque in the middle of it. The tomb of King David is in there. So, uh, and then, uh, next slide. That's the Garden of Gethsemane today. Now, oh, it's amazing. Next slide, Adam. These olive trees are over 2,000 years old. Look at, I mean, look at the size of them. So a lot of people think that some of these trees were around that night when Jesus suffered. The Garden of Gethsemane is where Jesus said, God, take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. It's where his disciples fell asleep, even though he said, please stay awake with me and pray. It's where Jesus was betrayed at the foot of an olive tree by, Jews, by Judas. It was where Jesus was arrested. So a lot happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then Thursday turned into Friday. Next slide. We know the events of Friday pretty well. Um, traditionally, that Friday is called Good Friday. We don't know why. We don't, scholars don't know what the origin is, but Christians consider it to be a good day. Why? Because even though Jesus suffered and was crucified, it's that Friday that brought about our forgiveness. And it's that Friday and death that led to the resurrection on Easter. So even though the events of Friday were horrible, the results were good. Um, early in the morning on Friday, this is before sunup, there were some key players involved that you hear about in Scripture. There was a guy named Annas. He was a high priest. He had lots of power. He was the father-in-law of another high priest called Caiaphas. There was Pilate. He was the head honcho appointed by Rome. So we have Caiaphas, Annas, Pilate. Then there was the Sanhedrin. You've heard of the Sanhedrin? Now in those days, there were a bunch of Sanhedrins. There was the Great Sanhedrin, which was made up of 71 people that was like the Jewish Supreme Court, and it was in Israel, the Great Sanhedrin. Then in little towns all over, there were lesser Sanhedrins, smaller groups of people that would um, debate things and decide matters of justice. But on that Friday morning, it was the great Sanhedrin, the Jewish Supreme Court, that dealt with Jesus. Then there was Herod, not Herod the Great, but one of Herod's sons, who ruled part of Judah on behalf of the Roman government. So those are key players. Now, 
before the sun comes up and just after the sun comes up, Jesus is hauled all over the place. And he's taken into six different settings where he's grueled with questions. He was taken to Annas, the high priest. Questions, lambasted. He was taken to Caiaphas. Same thing, question, lambasted. Then he was taken to the Supreme Court, the great Sanhedrin. So this is early in the morning. Then he was taken to Pilate, the head honcho, who didn't really want to deal with Jesus. He thought this was just a religious matter, let them deal with it. Then he was taken to Herod. He was mocked by Herod. And Herod was not popular because he's the one who killed John the Baptist. And then after Herod, he was taken back to Pilate. So he goes back and forth in all these hours of grueling questioning, including the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. There, Pilate finally caves in, says, enough of this stuff, just have it your way, let's kill him. So they order his crucifixion, and then the next slides. Uh, in Jerusalem today is what's known as the Via della Rosa, means the way of suffering. It's the path assumed, or the area, the way in which Jesus walked uh, from Pilate to where he was being crucified. Obviously, it didn't look like that then. It's surrounded by shops today. Um, so it's kind of interesting when you're walking there and you're trying to kind of reflect on what's happening, people are screaming out at you to buy things. Um, and uh, next slide, just some of the old ground of the Via Della Rosa. Next slide, and next slide. I don't like looking at that picture. Uh, then uh, what we're going to see is we're going to see pictures of the Holy Sepulchre, which is in Jerusalem. Sepulchre means tomb or grave or burial site. And it is thought to be the place where Jesus' crucifixion took place and in the area where the tomb was. So this church, you can go back, Adam. Thank you. So this church is built on the site of the tomb in Golgotha, where he was crucified. Now you can go through those pictures. So you can go in, you can stick your hand on a rock that tradition says is where the cross was. Next slide a slab in which they theoretically or tradition holds laid Jesus' body. Next slide. Coming out of the Holy Sepulchre, it's this little tiny room you crawl into, and if you spend too much time there, the clergy start yelling at you. It's really a sacred experience. Um, 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 just a few more things here. Um, Matthew's Gospel, it reads this. When Jesus died and gave up his spirit... At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When Jesus died, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Uh, next slide. Um, okay. Now back to the temple. In the temple, there were different sections of the temple. There was this outside area where the money changers were. There was an inside area where only priests could go. And then there was a very small area uh, called the Holy of Holies. It was 15 cubic feet. 15 feet, you know, this way, cubic. And the presence of God was believed to be in that Holy of Holies. And when the first temple was still standing, the Ark of the Covenant was there. The Ark of the Covenant contained things that were holy, like the tablets of Moses. After the first temple was destroyed, there was no more Ark, but... God's presence was still considered to be in the Holy of Holies when it was rebuilt. Um, now, in Jewish tradition, once a year, a priest would go into that Holy of Holies. And the priest went into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. 
Atonement means to become one with God, at one with God, to be in a right relationship with God. In the book of Leviticus, we learn that on the Day of Atonement, one priest would be selected who would gather two goats. The first goat, the priest would slaughter the goat, take some of the, of the blood of that goat into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant or in that space. It was believed by the Jews that by doing that once a year that a blood sacrifice would make the Jewish people have a right relationship with God. Then there was another goat. That goat, the second goat, was not used for a blood sacrifice. Instead, this other goat, the priest would pray and then symbolically think about all the sins of the people and put his hands on the goat and symbolically transfer all the sins of the people onto the goat and then send the goat out into the wilderness. That was known as the scapegoat. So, back to the Holy of Holies. In those days, there was a massive curtain, very heavy, that blocked off the Holy of Holies. You had to go around the curtain, but you could only do it once a year, and it was only the priest. And the curtain was there as a physical barrier, a reminder to the people that God is holy, God is separate, and God should never be approached directly. Now, when Jesus dies on the cross, we're told in the Gospels, what happens? The curtain of the temple is torn in two. And so we, many Christians, believe that in some way that when Jesus died, that all barriers between us and God were gone, were ripped apart. No more separation. We could approach God directly. No more sacrifices needed. It's also why Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Now, I know there's a difference between a lamb and a sheep, but you just think about these animals used for sacrifices. That's why Jesus is called the Lamb of God. Well, Jesus died. Uh, we're told that he is put into a, a tomb by Joseph and that Mary Magdalene and the other woman watched from a distance. And next slide. Next slide. Saturday, Jesus is just lying there. And then next slide. I just want to wrap with a few points. That is a picture of the Sea of Galilee. So here's what I invite you all to think about. Adam, next slide. So there's some themes of Holy Week that represent what Jesus went through. And I'm fairly confident that at least one or more of those themes is going to be relevant to each of us in our faith journey. We likely are struggling with something represented by some of these themes. And so I want you to think about these themes, and if you forget them, they're on our webpage under today's sermon. But you can think about these themes and which one may have some relevance in your own life. And I invite you to struggle with that theme with God this week and to walk Holy Week with Jesus around that theme. So here's some of the themes. First and foremost, people love you one day and they hate you the next. That's what happened to Jesus. Somebody really likes you and the next day they turn on you. Humility, is that something that's an issue in your life? Jesus rode in on a donkey. Immorality, people were exchanging money in the temple. So there are issues of morality we're struggling with. Betrayal. Jesus was betrayed. Are we struggling with issues of betrayal? Hard-heartedness. Throughout Holy Week, Jesus dealt with the most hard-hearted people imaginable. And they were all religious. And they just didn't get it. So 
Do we have our own hard-heartedness we're dealing with, somebody else's? Jesus was unfairly accused. Is that an issue for us today? A need to stand up for right, not caving to pressure. Pilate caved to pressure. He didn't stand up for what was right. Pain. Physical and emotional pain. Gut-wrenching pain. Are we dealing with pain? Do we need to spend time with God around that pain this week? Forgiveness. Lack of hope. Like that Saturday morning when there was no reason to have any hope. And finally, grief. So think about these themes this week, and you can go to our webpage. Is there one that just rubs you a little bit? If you want to make Holy Week holy, spend time with that theme in prayer around, around it with God. So anyway, enough of our little uh, Holy Week uh, celebration, and uh, let us now pray.